morning. It's so good to be here with you guys here and be able to share the word with you here this morning. It's great that Pastor Ed can go over and be with Stephen over over in Lincoln. And it's great that he can get away. So make sure that you pray for them as they're traveling back and forth. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for uh, allowing us to be here. We thank you for the freedoms we have to be here. God, we thank you for um, your love and your grace. Um, that, that is why we are here. We are here to, to worship you. We are here to hear from you. We are here to be, to, be, to be notified by you, God. Would you challenge us? Would you speak to us in your name? We pray. Amen. There's something, there's something about being around people at times, and, and you guys can understand this from time to time because we just went through COVID, and, and for some of you, you're like, this is amazing. I only have to get partially dressed. You know, I go to my Zoom calls. You know, they only see, you know, the top my, my, my face. I can even mute black screen the video and it's all good. But, but when it all came said and done, there was something to be said about being around people. There's something to be said about relationship and there's something to be said about being in the presence of other people. Um, there, there, you, you think about sometimes our short-term mission trips in which we go on. Uh, my friend Nomar from Belize, you know, we've been there multiple times and, I, and I've asked him this question. I said, Nomar, would it be better for us would it be better for us just to send you a bunch of money and you can use it to feed people or whatever it is that he, he's like, he's like, he goes, no, 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 no. We do not want your money. We want your love. We want you guys to be here with us. And, and even so, I was, uh, we were down in Mississippi this past uh, uh, March and one of the guys was, was speaking about uh, uh, being involved in mission trips and, and something like that and, and stuff like that. And he said, listen, the importance of people being involved and people going you know, is important. He says, listen, my response to people who say just send money is, is the Holy Spirit doesn't work in a $100 bill necessarily. Could the Holy Spirit work through a $100 bill? Absolutely. But it doesn't work in the $100 bill. And so with that said, there's options for, for the presence of God to be, to be manifested, to be involved, to be in our lives at, at, at different times. And, and when it comes to the presence of people, there is something special about that. And when it comes to the presence of God, there should be something even more special about that. I want you to think back to maybe when you became saved or when you became a Christian or when you were young in your faith. And think about how you longed for the joy that God could bring you. And you, you sought that knowledge that God could, could give you. And you sought all of the different things in your life because the presence of God was real. And there was a closeness and there was an intimacy there that was there. There is something to be said about the presence of God. And what happens a lot of times in our lives is we kind of, mess, we kind of, we kind of uh, uh, lose, lose that presence of God at times. We kind of get busy with different things in our lives. We get going, we get complacent in our faith. And that presence of God that was real in our lives and that, that seeking the presence of God doesn't necessarily become a priority anymore. You see, maybe today this sermon is just for me. Maybe I'm the one, maybe you guys are so comfortable in your faith, you are so, you're all right, this is the sermon isn't for you, and that's fine. You guys chill, you take a nap, you be comfortable, let me preach it myself here today a little bit, okay? Let me come out at, at me, because I know that this is something that needs to be real in, in, in my life as well. You know, and I'm, a, by the way, I'm always amazed at the people that, that come to church, and and uh, I'm not, not calling anybody out, but you're just so comfortable in your faith that you come and you sit and you're like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm good today. 
my life with Jesus is great. I'm just going to snooze for about 30 minutes while the pastor speaks. I mean, just the amount of comfortability that we have in our faith sometimes. Kidding, sort of. But anyway, that, 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 I love that. I wish I could be that comfortable. I wish that I could be, feel that that, that, was, that was there. But practicing the presence of God is what I want to speak on today. And so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to read a lot of verses here today. We're going to read this whole story. But what you have to understand is in Exodus chapter 33, there's a lot of buildup to where we're at. Okay, we start with God created the heavens and the earth, Noah and the flood. And then, and then here comes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And so God's chosen people that he promised through Abraham, they end up over in Egypt. And then we have, uh, and so years, two, three hundred years pass by, and all the Israelites are in, e- in Egypt, and they become slaves in Egypt. And so then we got Moses in the basket and Pharaoh and all that stuff and let my people go. And finally, Moses comes and delivers his people out. And so here's this large uh, concept of people that are, that are wandering around the desert. You know, God's promised them this land of milk and honey. He said, this is what's going to happen. You are my people. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to take you there. And so they're out wandering, get the Ten Commandments. And then they kind of, and this is kind of where we pick up in Exodus chapter 33. It says this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. So I want you to see this, is, is here's, here's God, and he's promising us, promising the people, listen, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you your land full of milk and honey. I'm going to give you all that. And you know what? I'm even going to throw you a bone. I'm going to throw you an angel. An angel's going to go with you. They'll lead you. But I'm not going. I am not going with you. I'm not leaving. And I wonder if God came to us today and said something similar to this. Listen, I'm going to promise you this. You will have no sickness in your life. I'm going to promise you this. You have no no. Uh, uh, ever any need or any desire, you will never ha- be in need or, or, or need financial. You, you will be set. You will have the job of your dreams. You can write books. You can, you can, be, you can be in, in, in the thing of, uh, of power. You can be, a, I will give you your dreams. I will give you all that stuff, but I will not go with you. How many of you would consider it? How many of you would consider going to the land of milk and honey, whatever you would consider the land of milk and honey in your life, how many of you would consider that if God said, I'll send you an angel, but I'm not going. Because if we're truthful in our lives, we consider it, wouldn't we? We'd be like, hey, well, look at all this stuff we can have. We blast. Yeah, he's sending me an angel. Because the idea in our lives is that the presence of God needs to be stronger than the outcome of milk and honey going on. When the people heard these distressing words, they begin to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay in the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped. 
each had the entrance to their tent, tent. Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Verse 12, Moses, Moses said to the Lord, you have Bill, been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know, by, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in that rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. You see, what's, what's interesting during that scripture and during that time is, is this whole concept of Moses is wrestling. He's leading these people. He's trying to figure out, you know, wh- who's with me and I, I got to make sure God's with me. And I got to, I got these people are complaining. These people are hungry. They want to move. We got to, where are we going, God? What is going on in, 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 all of a sudden he comes to the conclusion that he would rather stay in his current situation, knowing that he has the presence of God than to leave where his current situation is. And, and go to the milk and honey without the presence of God. And how important it is here today. Like, if, if God is not here with us today, if the presence of God is not here, here in this building and in this place and in your lives, then how are we missing so much of the things in which we should be longing for? If, if, if the presence of God is not here, then perhaps we're just having a good speech and singing a couple songs to make ourselves feel a little bit better. But the presence of God needs to be our longing, needs to be our desire, needs to be the thing in our life that we want. That, that, that wherever we go, wherever God leads, that if he's not with us, then we don't want to go. That's, it's got to be that way. That, that's the, simple, the simplest way that I can put it. And, and God kind of relates to the Israelites. He says, listen, I'm not going with you because you're a stiff-necked people. And, and this is what a stiff neck, uh, where this idea comes from. The oxen, um, when they were plowing fields or, and planting or whatever they were doing in the harvest, you know, if, if they would not go the right direction, they would be prodded in the neck, and, you know, and, and they would be prodded in order to go the right direction or to go the right pace or go the right speed. Whatever it was that needed to be done, that's how they conditioned the animals to go where, where, what they wanted to do. And if an animal would not ever um, adhere to that or, or be obedient to the prompting, he was, the animal was considered to be a stiff-necked animal. And so think about that. If God is prodding you, and, he, and we're not going with him, and we're not going with the presence of him, and we're not walking with him, then we are a stiff-necked people. 
I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we, you guys that are parents, you have stubborn children. I'm pretty confident. You at times, that your, your, if you are a child, you would probably say there's times that your parents are stubborn. We are a stubborn people in general. We want our way. We want our way all the time, no matter what. That, that's kind of the American way, so to speak, is, is we want that. But we have to understand that we need the presence of God in our lives. We have to understand that we have to get over what we want. We have to get over our stubbornness. We have to get over the idea of being stiff-necked. And we have to move with the presence of God. And we have to long for the presence of God daily in our lives. And it's just not something that we do on Sunday mornings. It's not something that we just do, you know, uh, when we sing a few worship songs or we go on a mission trip or we go to church camp or, or we go to a, a women's conference or we do this or we do that. It's just not there. It's got to be our entire life, the presence of God. Symptom checker. Let's see this. You, do we like going, you've all been to the doctors. Symptom checker, if, if the presence of God may not be uh, the priority in your life, you have a loss of joy right now. And loss of joy has nothing to do with your happiness necessarily. Loss of joy just means that, that, that you just are, are, are flat. You just are, are, are struggling. Like you can have joy in the midst of pain. You can have joy in the midst of trials. You, it, it's how it's our happiness is temporary joy is, is is forever next maybe your bible studies are unfruitful maybe you find yourself constantly criticizing people and things and areas of your life your work wherever it is but this is an idea that if you're constantly criticizing then that's a good indication that your focus isn't on the presence of god in your life maybe you're feeling distant from god you know maybe there's a lack of peace in your life I don't know where you are at, but if some of these are there, maybe you need to think about it and and consider, are you living for the presence of God? What can cause this? Easy. There's there's so many things that can cause this. It could be sin in our lives. There could be sin in your life that's unrepented. There could be sin in your life that's continual. There could be sin in your life that's a struggle. There can be stress. You know, sometimes we get overwhelmed and overburdened, and, and so as a result, we get so consumed with our stress and so consumed with our schedules that we become so busy that our lives, uh, the presence of God kind of gets misplaced in our lives. And God didn't leave and go anywhere else. It's us that kind of walked away. It's us that filled that, that void that should be filled by God. We filled it with something else, thinking that that would give us the pleasures that we need. That would give us the land of milk and honey. So, four areas today. Refocusing on, your, on the presence of God requires repentance. It requires repentance. It requires God above all things. You see, in verse 6, in chapter 33, the Israelites stripped off all their ornaments. So what that really means is this, is that was kind of their act of repentance. They got that, that was a symbol of their repentance, of realizing that, that God was upset with them, stiff-necked people, and that you know, God was threatening not to go with them. And so they had an idea of repentance. So, so they stripped off their ornaments, and that was their symbol of repentance. You see, repentance isn't always easy. It's not always easy to admit when we're wrong. There, there are plenty of times in your life that you're wrong. You, you may have even been wrong this morning. You know, you may have been wrong multiple times. Listen, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had these umpires. I coach a lot of baseball, so my illustrations and stories come from sports a lot. So either uh, jump on and listen, or you can check out. But anyway, we had these umpires, and they were horrible. They were just awful. They were young kids, and they were trying. And... Uh, Nope, I didn't get after them. I didn't even yell at these kids. They were just, they were just bad, and it was okay. But we got to like a part of this game, 
And uh, he's like, no, coach, I, I think this is, the, the, this is the run rule. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm like, all right. And so I kind of go back and look. I kind of, you know, we just discussed it back and forth a little bit. And, and, I, and I went and I looked it up and, and I went, I went and I'm like, gosh, dang it. He's right. Now I have to go and tell him I'm sorry because I was completely wrong. And, and, and regardless of the millions of bad calls that he may have made or hundreds of bad calls or maybe three bad calls or one bad call, I don't really know. But I, had to, I was going to go out there and I was going to show him that I was wrong. And, and so I went out there and I'm like, hey, I looked it up. You were 100 percent right. I apologize. You know, it was my fault. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And I turned and went, you know, we don't like, and that's kind of superficial. I understand that. But when it comes to the idea of repentance and it comes to this idea of, of when we are wrong in God's eyes, and we are wrong in God's eyes way more than we probably want to admit. I, I, I know that I am. And, but, but the great news is his grace is far greater than anything we can fathom. I am, I am we, are, we are sinners to the core, but true repentance brings on change. True repentance, when you repent of something, when you realize that you have been going down a lifestyle or you've been doing something that you shouldn't have done or, or saying things or doing things that you shouldn't have done, it brings on a change in your life. It's more than just saying, I'm sorry. You know, it, it's releasing and it's letting it go and it's moving forward. And this idea here is that there's a sincere about getting free from the sin that aren't just justifying or arguing their case any longer. They are genuine and sincere about being more Christ-like. Second, they want to clear themselves. This isn't paying for their own sin. They don't want to hide their sin, but have to re- have it removed at all costs. And that's the idea of repentance. If you want to refocus on the presence of God and make sure that you're living for the presence of God, number one, you've got to repent. Examine your heart. Examine where your life is. Examine what's going on there and see if there are sin that's separating you, sin that, that is, is hindering your relationship with Jesus. Next, if you want to refocus on the presence of God, it requires simply reverence and worship of God. In verse 10, in verse 10 of chapter 30, it says this, Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. You see, these guys didn't get to go up on the mountain. They didn't go up on the mountain where Moses was having this friendship talk with God. But they were down there and they were worshiping God. They had a reverence and a respect for God. There's going to be times in your life, again, where you think you know what's best for your life. But reverence and respect is trusting that God knows what's best more than what you do. Reverence and respect is about being in awe of how God's going to work through situations. It's being in awe of his creation. It's being in awe of who he, who he is. It's being in awe of his very character. Having a reverence and a, and, and a healthy fear of God. Realizing that in your life, that, 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 that he is the supreme being. And what he says goes. It doesn't matter if you don't feel that way. It doesn't matter if you think something differently. What ultimately matters and what's a struggle for us as humans, and we wrestle with it a lot, is he is the supreme being. He is the absolute. And we struggle with that because our culture doesn't determine that. Our, our, our culture says like, ah, there's always wiggle room. There's always, you, your feelings matter. There's always this truth and that truth and this truth and that truth. When the reality of the situation is a reverence and a respect for God. Worship isn't about, you know, coming here on Sunday mornings. Worship is about your response to God. And that's a daily thing in which you can do. We, 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 you, we see a lot in Revelation. 
you know, when, when, when they have the thing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know, I mean, if you see these angels and, and we're like, well, that's boring. Why would we do that all stinking day? Why would we do that? Anyway, I, I don't I don't understand, you know, but but what, what what's what's crazy is that that illustration and that picture that that John was giving us in Revelation was not they weren't forced to do that every single day. They weren't forced to do that. That was a response to where they were. That was a response to being in the glory of God. That was a response to who God was. That's what true worship is. And so having that refocusing on the presence of God means being focused on, on, on the reverence and the worship of God. Next, refocusing on the presence of God requires that you are ready, ready, ready to learn at all times, that you, are, that you are ready to go all times. Verse 13 says this, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. You see, this is Moses saying this to God. And Moses is having this friendship with God, but yet he still desires to know God more. He's like, listen, I need you to teach me. I need you to work in my life. I need you to help me lead these people. I need your presence there above anything else. You see, sometimes, you know, the longer we become Christians, you know, sometimes we struggle with this idea. We start to think that we know everything, and we start to think that we know all of these things, and we have this arrogance that comes about us. When the reality of it is, is that we need to hunger and thirst for God to teach us. And we need a hunger and thirst for God to, to reveal himself for us. I believe it's in Philippians. We have Paul who says, I want to know Christ more. You know, here, here's the guy that's, that we, we probably would consider a far bigger Christian than any of us. You know, he's preaching. He's preaching all the way around. He's starting churches. He's doing all these great things. And yet his desire, his, his longing in life was, I want to know Christ more. I want to know him more. And is that your desire here today? Is that your desire when it comes to the presence of God? Next, refocusing on God, refocusing on the presence of God requires this, that you are ready to learn uh, in this. Uh, This is kind of where I got this idea from of this sermon really quick. It's a quote by a guy named John Piper. Like him or not, this quote is something to contemplate. But it goes this. The question today, the critical question for our generation, for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you have ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Ladies and gentlemen, the presence of God needs to be our goal in our lives. Not the land of milk and honey. Making sure that God is with us each and every day. Longing for that presence. Longing for him. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be what we're seeking, what we're going for. Not the land of milk and honey. There's going to be so many blessings following Jesus. There's going to be so many trials following Jesus. It's going to be there. But what we need, what we truly, ultimately need, is the presence of God in our lives. And if it's not, then we're just kind of walking through life. Would you bow your heads with me for a second?
as the worship team comes up, I want you to think about where you're at in your life. I want you to think about, are you seeking the presence of God? Is that what you long for? Do you long to know him? Do you long to worship him in a response to who he is? Do you have a, a, a friendship with him like Moses did? that relationship with him is strong and can be strong because he's right there. So many times we're like the prodigal son that walks away. If you're here today and there's something you're struggling with or something that you want to pray with, we have a, a prayer team that's right up here that would love to pray with you. Whether it was about today's sermon or, or something else that's going on in your life, it, it doesn't really matter. We're here to pray for you. Father, reveal your presence to us. Help us to desire you above everything. Help us not to be a stiff-necked people. Help us to long for you, love you. Help us not to live according to our own thoughts and our own beliefs, but, Father, truly, with you working in the midst of us, inside of us, leading us every step of the way. God, quench our desires from the land of milk and honey, when ultimately what we need is you. God, we ask you this in your name.